This is the Charter Nation Podcast. You're listening to Charter Nation. This is the Charter Nation Podcast. Produced by the California Charter Schools Association. I'm your host, Anna Tentakoulis. In honor of Latino Heritage Month, we bring you interviews and stories about how charter public schools are working to transform the lives of Latino students in California. Later in this episode, we give you a sneak peek of CCSA's new research brief that analyzes Latino student performance among charter public schools. Then we take you to the Central Valley and spend time at a career tech charter high school that's helping students see their future in a whole new way. But first, we bring you a special edition of Changemakers. Changemakers is our regular segment in which Mirna Castrojon, president and CEO of the California Charter Schools Association, interviews influential leaders in public education. This week, she's joined by Marcos Aguilar, one of the visionaries behind Anahuacalmicac International University Preparatory, perhaps the only charter public school in the country focusing on indigenous cultures, languages, and native ways of knowing. The school, which is located located in East Los Angeles, is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and it was profiled in a recent ABC special. Here's Mirna Castrojon with this Change Makers interview. Marcos, welcome to Change Makers. I'm so happy that you made time to talk to us today. Mirna, thank you so very much. We're very proud and happy to be a part of the CCSA family. Thank you, Marcos. And it's been a while since I visited you and was part of uh, some opening ceremonies that were so beautiful in in, in your school. But before we dive into the school and the special work that you're doing there, I want to learn, I want our audience to hear and learn a little bit more about you. You were born in Mexicali, in Baja California, Mexico, and grew up in Calexico. Tell me about what were your experiences uh, growing up that led you down this path and in, in commit yourself to transforming the education system? You know, my dad was a single dad. My grandmother was basically my mother and raised me uh, single-handedly besides my dad. There wasn't anything about our culture in our curriculum in, in uh, elementary or high school. I mean, one of my clearest memories was of my fourth grade teacher You know, he wanted me to learn how to sing America the Beautiful. Uh, He would punish people if they didn't understand their times tables, but, you know, by heart. Um, And we would get paddled regularly as as elementary school students. But I was the kind of kid that would go out to the storm drains and uh, look for water insects and try to start a water collection. I... I kind of raised myself in the local Carnegie Library, which was, you know, a one of a kind gem in, in Calexico that, that the Carnegie Foundation had established. Uh, and I had worked through both floors of the entire library by the time I got to middle school and high school. Um, and so I sought out those alternative experiences and built relationships with librarians and, uh, you know, Romanian farmers who were expat uh, uh, from Romania. Um, and, and so there was just a need to find other ways to, to learn outside of the farm worker family environment that I grew up in, that my dad grew up in, and that, that all the elders around us were, were about, right? We were from a farm worker family. One of the things that has always struck me about your pioneering work, because let's just name it, um, your approach is really unique. 
lifting up and affirming uh, native culture and language in an urban context, especially among uh, Latinos who are either rediscovering or anchored to uh, indigenous identities that are, are often glossed over. So tell me a little bit more about that aspect of the foundation of your school uh, that has now been thriving for close to two decades. It's located for our listeners who don't know in the northeast part of Los Angeles, a neighborhood called El Sereno. You and I were neighbors some years back. Um, What is it that you were trying to create there and carve that new path? We have decades of research behind the idea that, that American Indian students have a right to their unique language and culture that's no longer questioned. It's federal policy, I would say. But that same right doesn't apply to indigenous peoples from other parts of the world. If a student is an indigenous student from Guatemala, whose first maternal language is uh, Quiche, and they arrive in Los Angeles after that arduous travel, as young as they may be or as old as they may be, because I've met Quiche students in LAUSD that are almost 18, and they came on their own as unaccompanied minors, the same logic should apply that if that, that as American Indians, they have a right to and would perform better in school if their language and culture is centered in the classroom and in the school. There is relevance on a historical level, but there's also relevance in terms of the development of the child, in terms of the development of the child as a learner and as a human being. And that's all that we're centering in on. Absolutely. Yours is the only program in LAUSD which centers native ways of knowing, indigenous languages and culture. And the fact that you're a charter school using those operational instructional flexibilities to provide this very rich and needed uh, space is, is truly a model for the nation, certainly for Los Angeles and California. But very few people actually know you're also an international baccalaureate program. You also offer instruction in Mandarin and Chinese. You also talk about the tensions and the and the opportunities to help our students be bridge builders, right? And occupy those multiple cultural spaces. What does instruction or academics look like at Anahuacalmecac? You know, that is something unique that we usually have an elder in residence that is a tribal member that is able to teach cultural knowledge. Um, We we typically have parents involved in the teaching of the lessons uh, at all levels, but especially at the elementary. Um, You know, in terms of the curriculum, we became the first public noted by the International Baccalaureate, the first public uh, world school in the city of Los Angeles. Our vision of native education, of indigenous education, was from the perspective that each nation uh, among indigenous peoples carries their own knowledge. And so when we talk about international education, we ought to include indigenous nations as distinct peoples. All of this is to say that we strive to have a well-rounded academic program for our students. You know, our, our, our courses in, and our teachers incorporate the subjects as organized through the IB framework. Uh, and of course, we address the state standards and, and the Common Core, and, and it's a part of a multilingual approach that expands the thought structure and the limitations of dual immersion, uh, of the, the limitations of needing to have high-performing English and high-performing Spanish, and that's the only time you get good outcomes. No, our families care that their child can speak to their grandparent that they couldn't before. They care that when they're in college, they can continue their course of study, as many of our students have in universities, to continue studying Nahuatl, with Nahuatl being an emerging 
area of study in universities. I wanted to ask you uh, for comment on uh, one interesting data point um, that many more young Latinos are identifying in the census as American Indian. Uh, or the old sort of categories, I should say, in the census are now expanding in a way that the population seems to be addressing in a more expansive way as well. What do you make of this moment and how do we maximize it in a way that really affirms students and continues to help to give them agency in their education process? The question of self-identity is very important and it raises complications for, for others, including American Indian policymakers and and sovereign nations because there there's a, a seeming to be a concern that somehow there will be a, a struggle for resources that are dedicated to American Indians. And what we argue is that all of the students have a right to the proper resources, the adequate resources to support their educational needs, which include culture and language. And so then it should really be about an expansion of resources, about an enrichment of, of what adequacy means, as opposed to a sense of competition over limited resources. And that's what we've tried to do. You know, our focus is to bring more resources to focus on, on, on students as needed. Um, but I think that the, the question of an emerging sense of self has to do with the decades-long movement that has been uh, our own reckoning with our history and, and uh, a common understanding and growth in the reckoning of the history of this hemisphere. Um, and, and I think to, to acknowledge that, uh, whether it's a grandparent, a parent, or yourself as an indigenous person, and to, and to be willing to uh, stake a claim and say, you know, this is who I am and this is my complete self, uh, is, is definitely built on decades of having to confront Uh, from everything from death squads to, uh, you know, rulers across your knuckles uh, and soap in your mouth. And, and I think that it's just an emerging consciousness that we're sharing with a lot of people. It's been 20 years since your school opened its doors to the community of El Sereno. Uh, and certainly it's been, uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but uh, you're certainly leading a way to a different consciousness and a, a different way of thinking about education and affirming our students. Um, you've always referred to your school also informally as Semillas del Pueblo. We are seeds, I remember you always uh, say to your students and talk about the process, the beautiful transformation that occurs when seeds grow, sometimes uh, despite you know, the tremendous challenges and inhospitable ground. Uh, but you have blossomed and grown and have a vision that is now expanding. You are a recipient of a federal grant to expand your work. Briefly tell us, how will your work continue to nurture those seeds in our community? Aspects of what we uh, describe are important are included in the lives of all the children that need access to that uh, culturally centered and community based approach, and and we're finding you know allies to do this, you know, and I think that that's really important. The fact that we've been co-founders of an indigenous education now coalition that includes uh, important organizations like the California Native Vote Project that is supported by the Native American Indian Commission and that is inclusive of indigenous students that are not American Indian tribally enrolled but are from Latin America in particular is extremely important. And, and the goal there really is to make sure and indigenize public education because we, we know that our children are all going to be going to different types of schools, but we want to make sure that they have access to the cultural resources that they need and And that I think a, a second goal 
is uh, an international goal, and that is to to strengthen education in Nahuatl. So we have a focus both locally and internationally. Well, that sounds like um, the makings of the next 20 years for uh, Anahuacalmecac Marcos. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing. I'd like to thank my good friend and guest, Marcos Aguilar, Executive Director of Anahuacalmecac International University Preparatory of North America. I love pronouncing that. Thank you so much, Marcos, for your dedication and passion. I'm Mirna Castrejon, President and CEO of CCSA, and you've been listening to a special edition of Changemakers. I'm Anna Tentakulis, host of the Charter Nation podcast. Anahuacalmecac International University Preparatory is one of 10 charter public schools in California gaining ground when it comes to the academic performance of Latino students in math. That's according to the California Charter Schools Association's new research brief, which analyzes how charter schools across the state are performing with Latino students. The best practices at two top-performing charters are also outlined in the brief. It's called Two Charter Public Schools, One Mission, Latino Academic Excellence. With me to talk about the research is Aaron Absher, Vice President of School Performance, Accountability, and Research at CCSA. Aaron, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So Aaron, the two charter schools profiled in the new research brief are performing in the 85th percentile or higher for Latino students on the annual statewide assessment known as CASP, which is tremendous. So tell us about these schools. So the first school we chose to profile was Libertas College Preparatory in South Los Angeles. They serve a unique but intentional grade span of four, grades four through eight, and are are entirely site-based. They serve about 80% Latinx students and are the top 10% of Latinx students in California, which is, you know, great. Um, And, you know, and to look at, to put this into context, when you're looking at the performance of Latinx students, they are outperforming the statewide uh, average for all students. And on average, their Latinx students are performing above standard, which is amazing. Okay, so Libertas College Prep doing amazing things for its Latino students. Now tell us a bit about the second school, which is Santa Rosa Academy, located in Menifee, which is in Riverside County. It serves uh, students from K-12, so it's, uh, you know, the whole package of uh, primary and secondary school. 40% of their students are um, Latinx, and they perform in the top 15% of Latinx students statewide. They have a, a hybrid kind of format. So some students can opt into a homeschool format where they still have access to the school site, to sports, to other offerings from the school, but they also have a more in-person option available for students as well. And why did you focus on this school? We chose to profile this school because they're doing some really interesting and exciting things with their high school students. And they boast a 100% four-year graduation rate, which is a full 10% higher than the state average of 90% for non-alternative schools. For alternative schools, that, you know, that, that average is a little bit lower. In the research brief, um, again, it's called Two Charter Public Schools, One Mission. You identified the building blocks, which are leading to Latino academic success at these two schools. Did they share anything in common? Yes. So I think that one interesting thing that came out um, was they both had this kind of focus on 
character education. They said it was a character education, but when we really started to dig in a little bit more, it had more to do, I would say, with cultural competency, which means kind of literally being competent in other cultures to understand and interact effectively with people from other cultures. Both school leaders and the missions of their schools, if you wanted to go on their websites and check those out, uh, of, of the schools exemplify this. They care deeply about ensuring that students at their schools feel welcome, that they can be their authentic selves at school, and that um, when that goal is achieved, right, when that that kind of self-actualization is achieved, then more learning is possible and deeper learning is possible because they have the mental capacity to actually be present and to learn and to engage in that um, point of view. Well, let's hear from the school leader at Santa Rosa Academy. Here's Executive Director Dr. Robert Hennings talking about crafting a safe zone for all students. Our school uses a uniform dress code that also positively influences our approach to providing an environment where all persons are part of a cohesive melting pot of a student body. When students feel they belong to a cohesive body, those divides that exist out in the community off campus disappear for a while they're at school. And that's very, not only very freeing, it's also very comforting uh, for students. So now if we could, let's switch back to Libertas and talk about the building blocks leading to success there. So one is, uh, which is, I'll talk about the research aspect too, but one I would say is their intentional goal to recruit and retrain diverse educators as well as board members. They set out this goal a couple of years ago with the belief that the teacher should reflect the students in the classroom with the theory and and the research supports this, that students are more engaged and feel more supported when this match is achieved. The other pro here, and they have achieved this with their educators, they're still making the efforts to do that with their board member. The other pro here is that when that teachers are also much more likely to stay when that match between uh, student identity and teacher identity is achieved as well. Another building block at Libertas outlined in the brief is that educators there are making every effort to remove language as a barrier for parents. Um, First, let's hear from Alma Zepeda, who's a principal at Libertas. And so we make sure that we have bilingual individuals in our front office. We make sure that all of our materials are translated so that parents can engage fully and they can receive a, pa- a notification and fully understand what is being asked of them and what is being asked of their student. And then furthermore, as we think about academic monitoring, as we think about our character development, we want to be able to communicate all of that with those parents in ways that they will understand. And so we have on most of our grade levels at least one fully bilingual individual that's able to engage with parents. Um, And on the grade levels that we don't have that, we do bring in our office staff and we ask that they help translate. And they're all fully trained and comfortable with sitting down and being able to speak to a parent and translate for the teacher. That might seem like a a no-duh almost, but a lot of times that pressure is actually placed on the parents and the student. So the student is having to do that translation to parents between the teacher, et cetera. But the school here has actually taken on that responsibility to make sure that all communications are translated into Spanish that are going home. And when they receive something back from the parent also in Spanish, they try to respond in that language that they're receiving that request from. So that that is an additional way of saying, you know, we want to make sure that we're building this relationship. We don't want this barrier to be there. 
Um, and it shouldn't be a burden, right? This part of your identity, we're trying to respect how to communicate with you in the way that um, you would like to be communicated in. Well, Erin Absher, thanks so much for giving us a sneak peek of CCSA's new research brief, Two Charter Public Schools, One Mission, Latino Academic Excellence. To download your copy of the brief, visit ccsa.org. There's also a Spanish version of the brief you can download as well. And I want to take this time and thank Erin for all her work at CCSA. She's leaving the CCSA family for a new venture in life, and we wish you all the best. You're listening to a special episode of the Charter Nation podcast in honor of Latino Heritage Month. We just heard how two charter public schools in California are helping Latino students thrive academically. Now let's head to the Central Valley, specifically to Fresno. That's where Career Technical Education Charter High School, or CTEC, is located. This innovative charter public school is chartered and funded by the Fresno County Office of Education. Now, CTEC has been blazing a trail in the Central Valley because it offers students a wide variety of manufacturing, construction, and engineering pathways designed to get their students into high-paying jobs or the college of their choice. CTEC is celebrating an important milestone this year. Its first class of high school freshmen are now seniors and will be graduating in the spring. Many of the students at the school are Latino and come from farm-working families. Their parents and many of their relatives have worked for decades or even generations in the fields of the Central Valley. But thanks to CTEC, these students no longer feel destined for that line of work and are now seeing their future in a whole new way. I recently visited CTEC and spent time with 17-year-old Angelica Sandez, a senior at the school. I met her on campus, and she shows me around. Our first stop, an extremely large blue and gray steel building. This is the, the reason why I came here. It's the IC, or the Innovation Center. And in there, we learn trades such as construction, manufacturing, and um, your junior year, you learn welding. Angelica's so, black hair is coiled up into two little buns on the top of her head, kind of like Mickey Mouse ears. Like a true teenager, she's wearing a cropped yellow t-shirt and skinny jeans. So do you spend most of your time in this center? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the, um, so I have a manufacturing class, an internship class that's out here. I have an engineering class and then robotics is also out here. Angelica is part of a whole new generation of young Latino scholars in California who are forging a new path for themselves and their families by staying in school and embracing science, technology, engineering, and math with wide open arms. Angelica was one of the first students to enroll at CTEC as a freshman when the school opened its doors about four years ago. She thought at the time construction might be her thing, but soon she was exposed to the world of engineering, her true calling. So I would, I'd really want to work for NASA. Um, my whole goal, if I do go to college in, the, in California, I want to get an internship at JPL and start from there, or Boeing, or SpaceX. That'd be cool, too. So this is anywhere that I could 
help build a rocket or something that goes to space, basically. Which is why she wants to become an engineer. I like the science and the math and the problem solving. So it's just, it's like a big puzzle that you're trying to figure out that probably no one else has figured out before. So you have to do it. So it's just like, who's going to get to it first? So it's kind of a competition with yourself and with others. What Angelica is doing right now in school is dramatically different compared to what her parents were doing at her age. Angelica's mother and father were both born in Mexico and dropped out of school early on. They've worked all kinds of menial jobs to support the family, which includes five kids. Angelica is the youngest. I asked her if there's a chance I could meet one of her parents. Lucky for me, her dad, Sergio, can stop by during the school's lunch break. When he gets here, Sergio gives Angelica a big hug. He's just beaming with pride. I don't think if she would have gone to another school, she would be the person that she's becoming. This school has a motivator to do more than, than I think she actually thought she could do. Very smart. She gets it from her mom. <laughs> Sergio admits he barely understands all the many things Angelica is learning at SeaTech, especially when it comes to engineering. But he loves this charter public school for all the opportunities it's provided Angelica. Not only is she the president of SeaTech's award-winning robotics team, she's also designed and fabricated products like bookmobiles for real clients in the community. We come from a place that we didn't have no school. So to see our kids growing this way, and it makes, it makes you go back and say, well, I wish I had my other kids in the same school, you know, with the same programs and, and what they're doing now, because before we didn't have that. C-Tech has taken career tech to a whole new level. Students have the option to enroll at Fresno City College and take classes while in high school for college credit, giving them a significant leg up toward earning a college degree. They can also earn their high school diploma while getting certified in a career pathway. Angelica takes me to a welding class where students are perfecting key welding techniques in small booths. Students wear heavy safety gear as sparks fly. Welding instructor Jacob Cavazos explains what the students are learning. This, this, this is a corner-to-corner weld with a 7018 rod on quarter-inch thick steel. Um, one of the requirements for Fresno City College. Um, so some of our students have some issues with like the correct angle or the uh, arc length. Educators here, like Jacob, are motivated, energetic, and passionate. CTEC's advanced manufacturing teacher, Brian Emerson, says that's because they can relate to the hardships that some students face. He himself came from a poor family. I grew up really poor. My parents were migrant workers. Um, I remember being in the fields as a kid with, with cotton in my diaper or running through the orange trees. Um, Poverty was an endemic to my story, and education and skills brought me out of that. And so that's why I'm here, that's why I'm part of this program as well, is for those that need it, it's their way out. In Angelica's case, her dad has been sidelined by a series of workplace injuries, so it's been financially tough at home. Still, he wants her to stay in school, 
go to college and fulfill her dream of working at NASA, because now he realizes that education will unlock all kinds of doors in her future. In fact, Angelica has already applied to several major universities in California, including Cal Poly Pomona and UC Berkeley. I've already told them, like, if I end up doing something amazing, I'm, I'm going to help you out because you've already done so much for me by letting me live here, basically, and just giving me the best life you could. Her dad, Sergio, who is by her side, jumps in. We have a tradition that the last daughter stays with the parents to take care of them with their own. And she looked at me and she says, no, I'll get, I'll get you guys somebody to take care of you and I go, go to do whatever... And I'm so sorry laughing, but you know what? Uh, that's what it is. You know, uh, we just, just got to let them go and be what they're going to be. I'd like to thank Career Technical Education Charter High School in Fresno for letting me visit and spend time with Angelica Sandez, her dad, and the school community. And that wraps up our special episode of the Charter Nation podcast in honor of Latino Heritage Month. We hope you enjoyed hearing from all the many diverse voices in this episode. I'm Anna Tintagulis, host of the Charter Nation podcast. Thanks for listening.